welcome to the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast. Proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Here are your hosts, Mark Ellison, Shannon Donato and Jeremy Monaghan. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast, powered by Audio-Technica and proudly presented by What If. What If has you covered for accommodation, flights, car hire and more. So if you're looking for a holiday, travelling for business or you need to get to the next game, visit whatif.com slash Rabbitohs. What If, it's Aussie for travel. My name's Jeremy Monaghan. I am the media manager here at the Rabbitohs. I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Mark Ellison and Shannon Donato. How are you, gents? Very well, Jez. Great to be back again. Uh, enjoying doing this, you know, on a weekly basis and uh, having to listen to Shannon, but I can put up with that. Very good. How are you, Shannon? Oh, very well. Thank you, great man. How are you? I'm, I'm well. I'm well. So we're, just for the listeners, we're about 17 minutes late kicking off this morning, but the last 17 minutes has probably been the best podcast fodder that we've yes, <laughs> we turned yeah. out over the past month. So <laughs> I wish I'd press record, but yes, anyway, yes. We're, we're kicking off now. And, and speaking of our listeners, we want to thank everyone that's taken the time to give us a five-star rating on their podcast app, as well as writing us a review. I, I checked it out um, the other day and there's quite a few on there. So we really pre- appreciate your efforts in doing that because it helps lift us up in the, in the search engine on the um, podcast app. So we really appreciate you taking the time to do that now as we do each week something that we have learned this week Shannon we'll kick off with you uh, Jez that game in Melbourne whilst it was uh, very disappointing to to get the loss I think the boys showed a lot uh, after a bit of a slow start they sort of fought back against the best defence uh, in the competition I believe Melbourne have and and I'm sure we'll get there and have the best defence but what I learned was just how how much strike power we had on both edges. Every time we held the ball and completed our sets, we just troubled them. Every time we went wide on either edge, we really, really troubled the best defence in the comp. So what I learned was we've just got amazing strike power and we've just got to hold the ball to, to prove it. Yeah, very good. Hello, what did you learn this week? Well, mine were along the lines of down in Melbourne as well. I, I just learnt that um, you can't be complacent in this game. Um I think we, we had a great pre-season. Uh, a lot of the media's been, you know, hyping up, you know, our squad and, you know, we're, we're one of the premiership favourites and everything. We may well be, but uh, when you run on the field, all that goes out the window. So I just think we may have just been a little bit complacent. Um, and as Shannon said, it, yeah, for, there were great signs in the game. But um, if we want to be the team we want to be, we've got to get over those, those starts that we've been having. Yeah, it was a bit slow start there, but uh, I'm sure it'll change this week. Very good. Well, that's enough footy talk. The thing that I've learnt this week is that our sponsorship department, headed up by you, Shannon, is the number one in the game. And in the last week, they managed to secure a sponsorship with global company McDonald's. They obviously see the uh, the benefit in supporting a club like the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And just for the people watching on our website, um, they'll be able to see this photo. Or you can look it up if you Google the Rabbitohs and McDonald's sponsorship announcement. This was one of the publicity shots with about 50 or 60 bags of McDonald's there. And this is the new definition of McDonald's McHappy Meal. Look at this man here. <laughs> Shannon Donato could not be happier to have about 60 bags of McDonald's in front of him. And what I'm most disappointed about is we don't all have bacon and egg McMuffins in front of us this morning. We'll, we'll have to call him Ronald from now on. <laughs> Ronald Donato. Well, I did have four bacon and egg rolls to bring in, but... Uh, I did have them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's very good. All right. Now, our first top four topic of the morning, the top four moments in your playing career. I thought this was very broad and and something that might uh, bring up some memories from when you were back playing. Might start with you, Ella. Well, Shannon always bags me about having more than four, but, I mean, the – yeah, it's hard to talk about him individually or you know as a member of a team, and uh, yeah, I, I prefer to do that. Obviously, you, my my debut, like most players that play in the NRL, that's a memory you always have, and it's, it's it was a top four moment for me. Uh, we played in the um, I think it was called the Panasonic Cup, you know, the midweek comp back mm. there, which significantly doesn't count as an NRL game, Jez. I believe in the it stats. Does not. 
So, uh, yeah, that's a bit disappointing. But anyway, played against Combined Brisbane up at uh, the Old Lang Park. And, um, you know, I was, I think I was 19 or 20. We, we had a pretty young side. Um, some of the other local juniors in the team, Daryl Neville and, and Rossi Harrington and Tugger and, and Mario. Um, and it happened to be, um, you know, a pretty solid game. They, they had Wally Lewis, Meninga and Miles. They had Belcher at fullback. The forwards were uh, Dowling, Canescu, Fulton, Smith, Niebling, and Linda at lock. So wow. it was a pretty, it was a pretty. Uh, <laughs> May as well look at Queensland, yeah, well, yeah. Let alone Brisbane. And the coach was Bob McCarthy. Wow, well, yeah. So um, that that was interesting. Bobby spent a bit of time up there, but uh, the funny part about it, I, um, you know, you're always nervous, and I think there was an error early in the game, and they've gone in this scrum, and someone's called out Henry. And I didn't have – I had no idea what Henry was, you know. <laughs> and I think every, every South Sydney supporter or player knows what Henry is now, but uh, it didn't take long to work it out. So that was the introduction. But we lost the game, but it, it was sort of the start of um, the season for us. Like um, we, we were coming – I think we were 10th at that, that stage and it was mid-season and we got a, on a roll and got to uh, – get to the playoffs and and I think that's my second one of my second moments was we had a period there at the end of 1984 which is the same year where we had to win the last game of the season um, to get in a, a playoff spot uh, back in those days it was the top five so we had to make a playoff for fifth and in that week we played North Sydney on the Sunday played the Canberra Raiders in a playoff. We beat North Sydney and then played the Canberra Raiders in a playoff at the SCG, beat them, then came and played Manly on uh, on the Saturday in a, in a knockout elimination semi-final. And um, again, that Henry came up. We'll be on 14 nil. Kn- knockout game, it certainly <laughs> was. <laughs> yeah, 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 Big shout-out to Glenn Ryan this morning <laughs> if you happen to be listening. And, um, you know, the, you talk about the players now, they, they – yeah, they might play four games in seventeen days, and it's a it's a tough ask, which it which it is. But back we, in that week, we played um, three three games in six days, and each one of them was an elimination game. Mm. So, um, but that that was a that was a really fond memory, probably one of the greatest weeks of my life mm. playing footy. And you know, I was a young kid getting to play three games in a week, having a beer after every one of them as well together, mm. and. Uh, no, that that was great. Um, probably um, the next one, obviously, go through at eighty nine. Um, minor premiers, we we beat um, beat St George at Cogra um, to to get the the minor premiership. I think we won it by five points that year. We just we just had a year that uh, we had a great great bond in the team and. Um, we just kept turning up for each other every week. Um, I remember that game at Cogra, and winning that game in the last round meant we'd won every away game well, for the season. Yeah. Like, that's a big effort to win all your away Absolutely. games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exciting. And it's funny that year we weren't in front in every game. I can remember mm. we were behind against Parramatta. We were behind against uh, the Tigers at, at Leichhardt. And we were behind until the death against St. Mm. George. But we just had uh, – you know, remarkable faith in each other that mm. we just had to keep going. And we talked about defence early in the show. We, we, our defensively were, were, were magnificent, the team. Mm. And, um, you know, that obviously to, to get that minor premiership was, was one of the one of the highlights, but the lowlight was we missed out. I'm sure Mavo will remind the people of the charge down in the in the semi-final, <laughs> but anyway, apart from that. But um, – the, the the other you know the fourth moment for me I have to take as not as a, as a player but obviously um, in two thousand and fourteen when we won the comp I mean that goes without saying we um, we all love that moment it took so long to come and um, and it's pissing me off that it's taking so long to come again but mm. that's for us to change right now yeah absolutely absolutely what I'm disappointed about Ella that in in your top four wasn't 
the uh, unbelievable hit you put on Michael Erickson playing against Parramatta. I think it was in 86 or 87, which I'm sure we can get the footage of for uh, the video version of this on our on our <laughs> website. It was like King Kong Bundy coming off the top rope <laughs> in the World Championship Wrestling. It's a big crossbody just straight across the face. It was an unbelievable. Well, I think you're wearing jumper number 41 or 42 <laughs> and you've just said, right, I'm making my way in first grade here. Smack Michael Erickson. <laughs> well, I didn't put it in, Jess. I didn't didn't want to sound like a lair, but I was hoping you put it in there, mate. At least I'm with a true story behind that big hit. He said he tripped over. Fell in Erickson. Tell you what, he got some height for ball. You knew him, I tell you. He collected him up around the melon. Shannon, what are your top four moments from your playing career? Uh, like Yellow, and probably, I guess, any player that's played NRL is their NRL debut. It was uh, round one, 1995, but it was it was funny. It was the the biggest sense of deja vu. I think I've told this story on a, on another part on Elo, um, Mavo's podcast. But from the time I was about eleven, I started playing. Um, I might have even been a bit younger. I was playing junior footy, and you know, at school, you used to get the schoolboys passes and go mm. in. And they had mon- they started having Monday night football at the SCG, and and living in Wollongong wasn't too far. For, so my older brother and I used to go up. My brother would take me with the passes, and it was the first time I remember the first time I went to the footy, and I was absolutely hooked and it was a South game and um, I thought that's what I want to do when I get out. I just started playing footy and I always had these, I'd lie in bed and just imagine myself playing first grade all the way up until I was 18 or 19 when I made my first grade debut and I always used to, and the vision I had every time I imagined myself going on to play was walking down the tunnel uh, at the football stadium and I I didn't even know it was a football stadium then, and honestly, the, I don't even know if the football stadium was built then, but um, it was sort of the vision I had for years and years to come. And then when I ha- uh, made my first grade debut, I was walking down the tunnel of the football stadium, and as you walk down the sort of incline, the, the grandstand on the other side opens up, and you see more and more of the grandstand. Mm. And I'd actually had that in my head for about 10 years. It was just like a dream type thing. And then when I actually made my first grade debut, that that was the exact sort of scene I had. It was really bizarre and it was it was a, just a, a great game. Um, and it was against a star-studded Manly side that Bozo Cage had pretty much the whole Australian side. And uh, We ended up getting beat, but um, you know, we, we were taking it up to Manly at halftime. I remember um, another um, guy on debut at that game was a guy named Craig Carrington. We're playing Manly, we're down about 14 8, no one gave us a chance. We're right in this game at halftime. And he's yelling out, See, boys, they bleed just like us, you know. <laughs> just hit them hard and, you know, we'll knock the wind out of them just like us. And he's revved us all up as we're walking up the hill. And I'm manly, obviously, listening because the, the score ended up 42 8. The second half, it's, they ran away with it. It's funny you talk about it as a kid. I mean, I had a similar. Uh, episode with the Sydney Cricket Ground. Obviously, when I was growing up, a bit younger than you, that was the base for, for all the big games. And I, I used to go there with my family and my brother and that and watch, watch all the match of the day there on a Saturday. And I used to just – all I wanted to do was come down the, the, the steps of the members' stand yep. and run onto that cricket ground. Yep. And, and you know, going back to 84 and that, that period, we played twice there in – in one week, and it was just magnificent memories. And, and when you get there, it's because you thought about it many, many years ago. Mm. It wasn't just something that sort of popped up on the night. So sorry for jumping in, mate, but no, it's, no, uh, it's, no. it's I'm going to jump in there. too. Like the SCG, it's an amazing arena. Like it's terrible to watch footy at. There's no ifs or buts about that because of the the shape of the ground, the size of the ground, how far away you are. It's, it's not made for footy, but I've been lucky enough to do a bit of work in cricket over the past seven or eight years. And this year, um, I do some grand announcing for the Sydney Thunder and occasionally with um, with the Sydney Sixers. So I've had the chance to work at the SCG with the Rabbitohs and the Sixers a few times. But this year, I got the chance to grand announce the Sydney Test Match. And that was just amazing. Like You could just feel the aura around that stadium that day. And it wasn't a full crowd because of COVID restrictions or anything like that. But just to be a part of those five days against some great opposition and everything that was going on in that test series, it was just phenomenal to be a part of it. And I remember saying to Elo beforehand, because I told him I got the gig and he congratulated me and I said, I feel like I'm representing my country. Yeah. Yeah, like it's that historic venue. Exactly, it's just history. it's just got that yeah that aura about it. And when you walk into those old change rooms with all the names on the wall, and 
you think footy-wise, this is where Clive Churchill played so many games and where those famous Dragons teams won their 11 premierships and all those premierships that the Rabbitohs players won. But then you think about the Bradmans and Warney and Glenn McGrath and all these guys that considered that place home every summer and the joy that they gave you as a, as a kid or as a young man watching them play cricket, it, it all came flooding back to me when I got the chance to work at that test match. It was it was phenomenal. It's funny you say that about how you felt like you, you're doing it for Australia. And that. Yeah. We, in, in, in 14, we had Mike Whitney come in. We played Manly at the SCG about eight rounds short of the playoffs and um, he came in and just spoke to the boys. He went for about 30 minutes and they were just – they didn't take their eyes off him. And he, mm. He's a great storyteller, Mike Whitney, but mm. um, this was just – this. This was fact. This mm. wasn't storytelling. And he, he spoke about the dressing room where, you know, Steve War used to sit and Alan Border and guys like that. And um, in the inside the dressing room there, the home dressing room, there's um, there's just a, an outline in black uh, texta of the Sheffield Shield. And it was a, a just a tradition there when they won it, they do – an outline of it, and everyone that played in the game signed it. So he was up there three times in in, in that in that mm. uh, with those shields, and he said when he was bowling, particularly in the one day as you know the day nighters back then when they first came in, he said he'd get to the end of his mark and he just you know he'd be he'd be bowling the first ball of the, of the session you know, and he said he could just hear the crowd behind. Him. He just said I've got I've got the whole of Australia behind me, and he said it just lifted me so mm. much. So. Yeah. And the other, the other big thing he said to the players was amazing. He said, "Yeah, all he did in cricket, uh, playing for Australia, and you know his his feats and that." He said he just swapped it all to put wear us out. Yeah, jersey. it's amazing. Yeah. I reckon we need to try and get wits in here one morning yeah, and yeah. Uh, record this with us. I reckon he'd be a good laugh. He'd be he'd have <laughs> no, some he'd good be, yarns. Yeah, he, yeah. And it's interesting we talk about the SCG like that, but. I get a similar feeling and, and how lucky we are to play out there at Stadium Australia. You think about what's happened out there, like the 2000 Olympics, Kathy Freeman's gold medal, and, and I walk down the tunnel there and I think I walked down this tunnel in the 2014 grand final day and we I held the trophy up in this change room where I'm grabbing guys for pre-game interviews and stuff like that. You can't take those things for granted, I, I think, because so many of the people listening to us today would love to have the opportunity just to see down there in the sheds and walk around downstairs and you think about what's gone on down there even some of the big concerts like I've seen you two play at that that stadium and ACDC and they've walked the same halls that we get to walk every second weekend at, yep. at uh, Stadium Australia it's uh, the Kathy Freeman stuff especially for me and going back to 2014 when she came to our captain's run and um she said after the game, there's a famous photo of her and Greg Inglis sitting in Greg's locker after the game with the trophy, and she she said that this is the greatest sporting moment I've been involved in at this stadium. Yeah. And that mm. it's still – I'm getting a chill down my spine now, thinking yeah. about what she achieved, winning that 200-metre that gold. She also lit the flame in front of billions of people all around the world, but us winning that comp and sitting there with Greg and the trophy after the game – she said that was the greatest sporting moment she'd been involved in. It gives me chills that yeah, we're all yeah, so fantastic. so fortunate to be a part of it. Yeah, I, th- I think that highlights the beauty of team sport, though. Too, it Jess. does. I mean, being an individual, what a what a great achievement from Kathy. Whole country behind her, but mm. I suppose there's some time you walk off that stadium and you go back in the dressing room. And you, you, you know, you've got your family in that there, which would be great. But it mm. just. Yeah, you go back with success in any team sport and you've got everyone around to celebrate it with, it's, it, it's, I think it'd be different than individual yeah. sport, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the other thing about it, you, that camaraderie that you build out there, playing footy, putting your body on the line for your mates and when you're injured just taking that hit up to off them. That's funny because, you know, you mightn't see those guys for 20 years, but it's like you caught up with them yesterday, you know, yeah. and, mm. and it builds a bond and, and, and memories, of course, that you, you have for the rest of your life. Yeah, I talk about taking things for granted. Like there's not many people that you meet now that sort of you're in awe of and, and take you back because we do have the opportunity to see people like Russell Crowe down at training and all the, the famous people that we've met through him and getting to work with superstars like, like Greg and people like Benji now and Sam over the years and that's sort of, sort of the novelty rubs off a bit. But 
I'll never forget the captain's run before the 2014 grand final on that Saturday afternoon. I got there nice and early, walked in inside um, because we were trying to control the cameras and everything around the ground. And I walked downstairs and walked into Madge's office to say good day. And I've walked in. I've just walked in. And there's Kathy Freeman standing there, and I'm like, wow, yeah. this is a special moment. You know, <laughs> yeah. someone like an icon, a sporting icon of this country, like yeah. Kathy Freeman, is here to speak to our team. That's that hit me then. It yeah. hit me. It was very good to be a part of. Yeah, that might be another topic down the track. Yes, we can have a, a talk about one of the episodes about Kathy Freeman and what she said and yeah, like that. that'd be fantastic. It was, it was fan, yeah. I don't think we got the dine today, but we maybe go into that yeah. down the track. Sounds great. We can look forward to that. I think you got three more moments to oh, go. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, you know, in my career, it was hard to find top four, to be honest, top four moments. <laughs> so, I, th- I thought it might have something to do with the party pies after the game. <laughs> yeah, the crunchy hot dogs. <laughs> um, uh, the other one is, uh, you know, being a South Junior, you, you brought up the, you know, that rivalry with the Roosters, and only just behind that is a rivalry with Manly, and having been beaten at Brookvale a number of times and playing for the Rabbitohs, uh, I played out there in a game. It wasn't for South, but it, it felt just as good. We were playing at Brookvale, and I was playing for the Panthers in round 26, 2002, and we beat them 60 to 28. Sorry, 68 to 28. And the score was 44-6 at half time, and it was just one of those games where they kick kick off and we'd score, we'd kick off and score. And I just I was thinking that day about all the buildings I'd copped and the building I copped on, on, on my debut where we got B42-18. And to beat them, to put 68 points in on that day was um, absolutely amazing. So that was definitely a highlight. Mm. Um, another one was uh, the qualifying final um, in 2003, again with the Panthers, but it was to put us in the grand final. The, the, the year before, we I think we just avoided the, the wooden spoon and, um, you know, there was... Uh, a sense by all the experts that, you know, we weren't a good enough side to go on and win it and we're just fluking our wins. And, and so when we got to the final was when the blowtorch was on us. And, um, you know, the Broncos were a really strong side and it was the qualifying final. And I got called into the side. Um, I, I'd sort of been on the bench or, or the extended bench as the 18th man through the year. But I actually got called into the run-on for the game because Luke Prittis, um got busted. And... Um, we beat them, and we beat them 28-18. But I, the, the funny thing was I broke my hand um, making a tackle on Shane Webkey about 10 minutes into the match, and we didn't have an interchange hooker. And I, I realised we didn't have an interchange hooker. And I had to play and I could feel the bone in my hand clicking, and I could yeah. see it. It wasn't through the skin, but I could see it risen. And I got the needle at halftime, thank God, because, I, you know, it was hurting a fair bit. But just to be able to get through that game and prove that we could win those big games and then went on to the grand final and, and when it was an amazing moment. So that qualifying final for me, I played in. I didn't get to play in the grand final, unfortunately. Um, uh, you know, Luke Prittis did score two tries and, and set up the third <laughs> with that 1-8-8-6, but I still think I was hard done by. <laughs> <laughs> was that the game where you tried to sledge Gordy that you told us about last week? <laughs> I think it might have been, actually, yeah. <laughs> yes. Who is this guy? Get me a big league program. If you missed that story, go back and have a listen to last week's uh, episode. Very funny. Yes. Very good. And my final one, it's not a famous win, but it's um, one that has a lot of sentimental value to me, and it was... Round nine in 1995, I was playing for the Rabbitohs versus the Tigers and we're having a bit of a clunky year that year. I guess that's a good euphemism, clunky. We'd sort of play some good footy, some bad footy and probably should have won a lot more games than we did. But anyway, um, playing the Tigers and for some reason, they're playing out of Parramatta Stadium at that stage. I think they might have been doing Renos at one of their grounds or something. But it was a tough game and it was 18 all and with about three or four minutes to go, I... Scored a try that put us six in front and then right on the bell we kicked the field goal and we won 25-18. But it was my try and I didn't score many tries. It was my try that sort of put us in front and and I won't say won us the game, but it gave us the, the six points. And then, uh, But my dad didn't come out to many games, but my dad, for whatever reason, him and a mate came out to that, that game and my dad was a pretty stoic old guy, old sort of labourer and tough old man, didn't say, have too many words, but... Um, Went back to the club afterwards and I took them back to the, the club at Redfern and uh, my old man said when my dad went up to get the drinks at one stage, he said, you know, your old man, he actually built up when you scored that try. And I thought, oh, his dad never showed much emotion and um, I just thought 
what a nice moment for my dad to be there when I scored a try because God knows I don't score many. I've <laughs> 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 scored the match winner, so yeah, that was that was a really nice moment for me personally. So they're my four moments. Just what about your four top uh, moments as an NRL player, Jess? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll kick it off. What about the twelve tries I scored against the Roosters last year in the sixty-eight win? <laughs> Mightn't say that in the record books, but I felt like I scored every one of them. I think I kicked 10 as yeah. well. Thank you, Renna. <laughs> you blew about 10 speakers out that night. I <laughs> you were that excited. That is one of my highlights, yeah. I've got to say. Tell the win, story. Win, win Stadium, it was the Charity Shield. I think it might have been in 2014 when it got moved down to win. And um, the Dragons and us used to both have a grand announcer there because it's a shared game and we'd try and rev each other's crowds up and uh, the events manager at the Dragons uh, name's Amy Luggins absolute professional absolute um, champion of a person she does a great job down there at the Dragons but she'd had the weekend off to go to a wedding so she's at this wedding and the next thing she tells me her phone just starts blowing up in the middle of the ceremony so she's trying to be there for a friend watch a friend get married and the phone starts blowing up about the audio system going down now one of the names I used to love saying when I was announcing the team was Isaac Luke. Can number you give nine. Us, on, give us one, Jess. Oh, give us one. I don't want to break the roadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to break Well, the, just control yourself when you do it. <laughs> I, I used to just give it everything I had. And anyway, in the uh, in the middle of my announcing, it was uh, number nine, Isaac. It just cut out. I, just, I blew the speakers at Wynn Stadium. I have since broken the microphone at the SCG. Oh, <laughs> Blown that one out. You should see the size of the microphone they've got at the SCG now because of what I did there. And Bankwest Stadium last year in COVID, I also blew the speakers there. Yeah. They had to amp their system back up, and that's yeah. a brand new stadium. So they're my top three moments. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Quite <laughs> memorable. <laughs> and the Australian cricket test. And then the test match. There you go. Yeah. Uh, very good. Well, I enjoyed those stories. It was uh, good and a, a good chat about the stadiums too, I think. it's To me, I've done a few tours of different stadiums around the world and mates of mine say, well, what, do you, what do you care? It's just a building, but it's the emotions that are shown within those walls. You don't get that anywhere else in the world than in a sporting stadium. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm actually a sports tourist myself. One of the mm. first things I do when I go to a city overseas, and hopefully we can all be doing that again shortly, but mm. is go to go to a sporting event and go to the stadium. Mm. I remember in Barcelona, I went up to Camp Nou, and that was an amazing facility mm. up there. Not just the soccer ground, but they've got indoor European hands, handball. They've got the Barcelona FC mm. uh, basketball. Just, yeah, it's fantastic to go on. You really get a sense of the the people and the culture by going to the sporting arenas. Yeah, did, Ello, well, when we went to the World Club Challenge, did you come to Manchester City's? No, nah, that no, was amazing. We so we didn't go to their their home ground. We went to their training facility, and I've never seen anything like it. So it had its own hotel where the team would stay the night before the game, and every player had their own five star suite to sleep in. As far as I know, I'm not a big soccer fan, but I think there's 11 blokes on the field at any one time, but they had 18 training fields. Yeah. <laughs> more, yeah, yeah. more than one per player. Yeah. Um, there were indoor fields, there were outdoor fields, depending on what the weather was like because they're up in the, the northern parts of England. It was They had a swimming pool there that had a treadmill built into it. I'd never seen anything like it before for player recovery. I'd seen our our hot box that we've got at uh, Redfern Oval with the treadmills and stuff like that in there, but altitude rooms and stuff like that, but I'd never seen a treadmill built into a swimming pool that could rise up and down so it could build or lower the resistance depending on what part of the rehab the player was in. It just it was opulence at its absolute max. I'd never seen anything like it, and that really comes as no surprise the success that they've had in recent year well I think they've had in recent years I remember a lot of talk about Manchester City at one stage I'm not a big soccer fan but it always used to be Manchester United that seemed to win everything and Manchester City came through and I, I thought well they'd want to be winning some uh, <laughs> some titles <laughs> with, the, yeah. with the facilities yeah. they had so well no pressure when we move into Heffron Park <laughs> no no no, no. <laughs> just just going back there Jess talk about the tradition of the cricket ground which in my era, growing up as a kid, that was where all the big games were played in cricket and, and, and in rugby league. And over in England, all the big games were played at Wembley. And uh, the old Wembley Stadium, I got a chance to go there. I played in England in 91. Broke my arm, so I had about 10 weeks off. So I was 
we ducked down to London for two weeks, Ray and I, and, and um, she had a, a girlfriend of hers was working for Qantas, so she flew in and I knew she didn't want to go to see Wembley. So they, they went out for lunch and I, I just got on the on the train and went out there and it, one of the great memories of, you know, of my time. I, I loved always – because as a kid you'd get up and watch – you'd watch your FA, FA Cup finals there, you'd watch the tests, you'd watch the uh, Challenge Cup final. Yep. Um, and then, of course, the, the Live Aid concert, you know, Queen – and Freddie Mercury at their best mm. at that. I mean, and just seeing clips of that with with the crowd that was there was um, just amazing. I mean, I did obviously there was no crowd there the day I was here, but um, I got there late. It was a funny story. The guy on the on the desk wasn't yeah. There was I'm sorry. There's a, a woman on the desk that wasn't going to let me in because I was after the tour, and I played off come from Australia. You know, I broke my arm. Mm. Feeling sorry for myself. And anyway, this this old bloke came over and said, "Come on, mate, I'll take you through." So I was really lucky, and so I had a, a personal tour of Wembley down the dressing rooms, and and when you come out onto the field, they they put all the crowd noise through the speakers, oh, and that, so it feels like <laughs> feels like you're there, and it's just just an amazing. Yeah. And then there's there's footage of the dress as you walk it. There's footage in the dressing room with all the the flags and the songs and that. Yeah, it's just remarkable experience. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I would have loved to get there to watch a game. But I never, I yeah. never did. And obviously, it's not there anymore. But um, um, they hold, yeah. You know, for for people of different eras, the the stadiums, the big sporting arenas for people that love sport, just hold a, a you know a place in people's hearts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a great chat. That might be another top four topic for us down the down the track stadiums that we've we've been to and experienced. Because as I say, you don't get emotions like it in any other building around the world, and it does evoke a lot of emotion, so very good. We'll Sometimes be back in... Sometimes at Maroon McDonald's, I get a bit emotional. <laughs> <laughs> As we uh, just review the McDonald's sponsorship, that, that is emotion. That is There's emotion. emotion pouring yeah. out of you right there. Yeah. How many bags were there, 60? I don't know. And I don't even know what the others ate, but it was a fantastic lunch for me. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> most, most people say I played 16 times on the SCG. He's, he's been to Maroon McDonald's about 470 Three <laughs> <times>. <laughs> to supporting those that support the Rabbitohs. That's a good job. Exactly. <laughs> well done, Ronald. We'll be back. We'll be back in a sec. Speaking of emotional places, the Rabbitohs merchandise store. Down at Heffron Park Tennis Centre at the moment on Bunnerong Road in uh, in Maroubra. It's always great to go and check out all the new gear that's down there. And I know all the new uh, 2021 Classic gear has come in. So if you're looking for a jersey or a polo shirt, a T-shirt, hats, flags, anything uh, that you can think of, make sure you head down there and, and see the boys and they'll be able to sort you right out. And if you can't get down to Maroubra, down to Heffron Park, make sure you shop online at, at shop.rabbitos.com. Com.au. But I, I remember as a as a young kid, one of the best things was on your birthday or at Christmas was opening a present. It was a new Rabbitohs jersey inside, and I assume it's still the same now. I remember my daughter when uh, the the club uh, was giving the kids the jerseys at the um, Christmas party. My daughter got one. You just saw her eyes light up, and it's that sort of joy that you like to see um, when people get to wear the red and green themselves. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, our kit, our jersey in particular has got such history about it. Mm. Unlike most other clubs, we've we've stayed with a pretty much traditional design and there's so much behind it. But we've also got the new hoodies in, Jez, which are proving proving uh, very popular. But in, in terms of the jerseys, one of the things we did this year to thank our members was we had the thank you jerseys for mm. all those members that pledged and had their names on them. Obviously, the boys played in those. Uh, uh, mag- it was magnificent. Round storm and and lots of members had the opportunity to buy those and we'll be playing in the home ones in round three at our first home game so uh, I think there might be only a couple spare ones lying around there mm. so if you get get down to the merchandise store at Heffron Park very quick you might get one or one or two of the last uh, last ones in the store. Now, yeah. I think people were able to buy them by auction weren't they after the game the player worn versions? They were Jez yeah. and. Um, they're available right up until 4pm on Thursday, actually, after mm. the Storm game. And we'll be also auctioning the um, home jerseys with the thank you jerseys, the player-worn jerseys, after the Roosters game in uh, round three. So just go on to shop.rabbitos, click on the auction tab, and you'll see the um, see the, the player-worn jerseys auction there. And, and if you remember who pledged last last year, your name will be on it. It's fantastic. I must, I must say, across the clubs in the game too, our merchandise is 
was mad. You know, it's just tremendous. Yeah. Some of the, the different, you know, the, the hoodies, the tracksuit tops, the T-shirts and that that are mm. out there, even the caps. Mm. You know, we, we've, we've come so far in that area and it's just such a range that, that just suits, you know, all ages. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, we, we've done a great job with it. Yeah, and Russell's been so hands-on yeah. with, with with all of the designs. Back in the day, it's hard to hard to remember. It was a while ago, but it used to be just all team rugby. All you could get was the jersey, but now mm. you can get, you know, you can get hoodies, you can get streetwear, you can get sort of um, discreetly, you know, not sponsored stuff all over it. There's a there's a huge range for for a fan and 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 even just somebody who likes good good apparel. I must say too, when when you look at you know they always say about the random rabbit in all the, but you, you see someone I know if I go to the shops or something like I see someone with a rabbit cap on or a rabbit gear and I, I might not even know them but you sort of you know say hello to them as you walk past because yeah. we're all one you yeah. know and it's it's great uh, getting that rabbit out there and it's um, yeah definitely one of the iconic brands of the game. Yeah. You're right. When you see it, it's almost, it reminds me of, I'm not a mason, but you know, the mason's the secret handshake. It's sort of when you see somebody with Rabbitoh's kit, yeah, you just, just a little a, nod. A nod or a <laughs> wink or something like Yeah, I, I like it. And you're right. We're everywhere. Um, you know, I reckon I see more uh, Rabbitoh's kit down Bondi than I do Roosters, but yeah, yeah that's understandable. I must say, I get more nods when we win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you talk about the range of stuff. When I was the uh, merchandise manager first time around back in 02 and 03, we could not keep in stock salt and pepper shakers. Is that right? Rabbitoh yeah. salt and pepper shakers. And I think it's because they were relatively inexpensive. They were about 10 or $11. And people would come in and check everything out and they'd go, oh, Uncle Bill's a mad Rabbitohs fan. Let's grab him something while we're here. Oh, we'll grab him some salt and pepper shakers. He won't have those. Yeah. We just couldn't keep them in stock. It was amazing. And it's something you use every day. That's it. So every day you're going to see the, the rabbit out there. So yeah. that might have something to do with it too. Some of us more than others. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say we're big eaters here at the Rabbitohs. That, that was our least challenging merchandise item to sell. And the most challenging was the 12,000 TV week jerseys that we had. <laughs> That's another episode yeah. too. Just. <laughs> Uh, very good. All right, we'll be back in a second. Our next top four topic is the top four players who were good at other sports. Now, you, that might be guys you've played with or it might be yourself. You, you never know. So well, let's start with you, Shannon, I think. Let's go through your uh, top four players that were good at other sports. Well, the South legend... Uh Triple international, Mike Cleary has to be there, of course. Um, played rugby. I've only got three left now, Jez. <laughs> Me too. Me too. He I'm was my I number in, one. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I got in first. Can I go first next week, Jez? <laughs> you know, there's not many triple internationals. Uh, there's not many of us around, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, seriously, though, Mike Cleary to, to play for the Wallabies, the Kangaroos, and... And got a bronze medal in the 1962 Commonwealth Games in Perth. Just a absolute phenomenon. And also was successful outside of football too. A politician, a sports commentator. Mm. Uh, Mike's done just about everything there is to do in sport. And uh, yeah, so he absolutely had to be my number one. Number two is a is another Rabbitoh. And that's uh, a current Rabbitoh actually. Uh, Benji Marshall. Um, uh, he played for Australian schoolboys, but he also played for Australian touch footy in mm. 2003. Um, great touch footy player and also played rugby union, played super rugby, played for the Blues. Um, so he's, you know, good at rugby, good at touch football and obviously a sensational league player and, and uh, steadied the ship for us on uh, on Thursday night down there in Melbourne. So had to go for Benji, one of Rabideau's, um favourite sons. <laughs> speaking, of, uh, speaking of Benji and his touch footy, our, phys- our head physiotherapist, Eddie Farrar, was quite a good touch footballer as well. And he, on the uh, the team WhatsApp the other day, put a photo up of him playing with a 17-year-old Benji um, for Western Suburbs in the national titles many moons ago and was telling us how he taught Benji everything he knows about touch football and rugby league. And we were all amazed that they let a 38-year-old man play with a 17-year-old <laughs> man at that stage. <laughs> I was, uh... I was going to say you said Eddie was pretty good at it. I mean, I think it was the fact that he played next to Benji. Yeah, Eddie pretty good at it. I bet you did his hamstring a few times when he was playing too. Not with those extended warm-ups. <laughs> I bet he 
Ludwig did his hair a few times on his legs. Excellent. Let me just uh, timestamp this. It's uh, about 39 and a half minutes in. We'll let Eddie know that's where you should listen to the podcast yes. from. <laughs> Great man, the great Farouk Farah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number three is another Kiwi, um, Brad Thorne. Uh, uh, he just, you know, he won so many grand finals with the Broncos and, and Super Rugby. Played for Australian Rugby League. Played for the All Blacks. Had an unbelievable longevity to his career. Um, played for over a decade. Had the pleasure of playing against Brad. Thoroughly decent fella um, off the field. As I said. Uh, a couple of episodes ago, the genuine tough guy who was uh, a gentleman off the field, um, quite devout in his faith and, and a good guy, but just a great athlete that was, you know, super at rugby league and super at rugby. And then the fourth is a good mate of mine, the Kanamala fella, as he likes to call himself, and that's the great Billy Johnson. Um, you know, people talk about Paul Gallon and his boxing now, but the the original was Billy Johnson. He was he was tough. He was and still is tough. He's 61 now and be fitter than most NRL players. He 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 was the trainer for the Queensland Origin and he was a, you know trainer for Australia at one stage. But he was not only a great rugby league player, but he was a great boxer. He had um, 21 wins out of 27 fights and uh, a couple of draws in there, I think. But really, really good boxer. Really. Good all-round athlete and certainly a tough footy player. Um, not as tough as our Murray, but certainly uh, uh, a great all-rounder. So they're my uh, top four players who are good at multi-sports, Jess. Very good. Hello. What are your nominations apart from Mike Cleary? Mike Cleary. Um, well, Steve Maven. Um, I, I've known Steve for a long, long time. We used to do swimming training together as kids at Botany Pool uh, back in the day. You know, I don't know. Steve might – he's a few years younger than me. But Steve came through – uh, you know, through the school system and was one of the, the top, you know, he had records in the in the state swimming and state athletics. Mm. He was a really gun sportsman as a kid going through and obviously went on a, a great football too, went on and played many, many games for the club and uh, uh, had a really distinguished career. Um, he loves the place too. As we know, may have been doing a great job in the podcast. But mm. And he can talk I, for Australia. He, yeah, he can talk for Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've got, to, I've got to say, I don't know a lot of people know that, but he was he was outstanding uh, in both athletics and swimming. Uh, he's coming through. Um, the other one that was just a real freak was Bronco to Jura. I mm. mean, um, you talk to Billy Anderson, who used to coach at South. He's, he's really into his cricket as well. He he often said that the Bronco was just such a good cricket. He's probably obviously a better cricket than he. He's a great footballer too. Don't get me wrong, mm. but he played for Australian schoolboys. He was a wicket keeper batsman, um, and I think he just came into the system. He just loved the camaraderie with the football. He loved mm. it here at Seas, but uh, he was one of the best at his age group. So he, he could have gone and obviously represented Australia. Mm. And, um, and to be fair. Um, I think he was in ahead of Ian Healy at the time in the schoolboys cricketing. Wow. As a wicketkeeper. Um, don't quote me on that, but I think – You're think quoted, Ella. I think you've, that's – You've I said it yourself. Right. <laughs> that's in the roadcaster. That's out there. And that's Bron- out there. <laughs> Bronco, a case of furfies on the roadcaster. Ian Healy never heard of her. <laughs> nah, just, I prefer young Henrys anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get sick of a lot of other uh, stuff, Ella. Yeah, yeah. Um, so – yeah, he, he was very good. Um, you know, just yeah, you know, Mario used to love his golf off the field. Mm. Um, he we didn't break any records with it, but still plays today and just very passionate as he was with his sport mm. here. And uh, wished to have a hit together back in the day. And um, you know, he still I know he still plays out at St mm. Michael's now. He's a member out there and really enjoys it. And uh, I've just had to come up with the fourth one because you stole Mike Cleary and. Uh, it's Mark Block Lyons, who's our doorman today, and used to play back in '89 with us in that in that great team. Not many people know he's the Australian Jelly Wrestling Champion. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> is he? he doesn't Any know particular himself. flavour? <laughs> Any particular flavour? Oh, he go. doesn't know it himself, but he has. He's become that today. Uh, <laughs> Very good. I, I tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what. If ever I was forced to take part in a 
jelly wrestling competition, the last man I'd want to take on is Block. <laughs> I just imagine him in his budgies and that just, he warmed the jelly up because he didn't like the water too cold. Oh. Anyway, he, and before he jumped in, he used to talk about how sore his back and his knee was every yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> He's got all that fixed now, so there you go. Um, Shout out to Block. Very good. A point I wanted to make was it's interesting that I can understand the relationship between someone playing high-level rugby league and high-level rugby union both being rugby football codes. But it's quite interesting the number of players that have done well in cricket and rugby league because they're completely different skill sets. You mentioned Bronco de Jura. There's also um, Graham Hughes that played for New South Wales, played Sheffield Shield. And from another sport, I think Shane Warne played VFL yeah. football for St Kilda and to me, they I can understand a cricketer being good at golf. They're the similar skill sets, but playing football compared to cricket seems to be completely different. Yeah, I, I, I played I played cricket, you know, at a reasonable level mm. too when I when I was young. But I think it stems back to the era too, because you know when when in my year as a kid, you you played rugby league in the winter mm. and you played cricket in the summer, mm. or you surfed, mm. you know, and the the the, the overlap was swimming if mm. you're a good swimmer. You could train summer and winter, or mm. you just train in summer. Mm. And I think nowadays there's so many different options for sports mm. that they go different. Like you got basketball, basketball, and you know, gymnastics. You got you got so many different uh, sporting mm. uh, things that the kids can do. And I that may be it, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. The yeah, the, the, there's still that bit of hand eye yeah. stuff. But it's funny cricket. People say it's a team game, but when you look at it, it's more an individual. Oh, big, especially you know, for they, a batsman. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. that's where it's a bit different. And I think that might have been the reason I go back to Bronco again. That mm. He liked the rugby league more. You know? Yeah, cricket was a game when you played it as a kid too. You, you just to become a good batsman, you didn't want to get out because you had to sit there for three hours and watch your mates <laughs> yeah. bat. You know, so that was yeah. you know. That was <laughs> My son played cricket for about four years. Sometimes about eight to twelve and. Happiest day was when he came home. He said, "I don't want to play anymore." <laughs> <laughs> That's fine by me, Joe. You say, yeah, your mother will love you for that, mate. <laughs> Alex Johnson was a good cricketer, and yeah. uh, Nathan Brown, that's at the Eels now, you, former Rabbitohs player, he was also a good cricketer. And then you got someone like um, you mentioned the team sport versus individual sport. Liam Knight, who I'm hoping to get onto our show um, one week. He's, he's a crack up. He's a, he's a good fella, but um, just ask him. Very, yeah. <laughs> well, he's actually very humble about his sporting achievements. He was quite yeah. a good junior tennis player, and I think he used to play at the level in the juniors of Nick Kyrgios and, and stuff like that. I've heard him tell the story that he was playing against Nick Kyrgios in some junior tournaments. Okay. So yeah. he must have been a handy tennis player to be qualifying for those sorts of tournaments as a kid. So it's interesting you talk about the difference between team sports and individual sports. I think you're right, the, the camaraderie that you develop within a team sport. And I'm trying to do that now with my daughter. She's five years old and we've uh, got her playing soccer this year. I was hoping to get her into junior league, but she said, Daddy, is there a sport I can play where they don't throw me on the ground? <laughs> I said, at under sixes, they don't throw you on the ground, sweetheart. But yeah, we could try soccer. But uh, just for that team sport, being part of a team, she's an only child, so she doesn't get that amongst brothers and sisters at home. Um, I think it's really important for kids and as you say, going up through your sporting ter- career to be playing in a in a team has that different, um, I guess, emotional touch when you when you achieve something with your mates. It's a lot more powerful than achieving something on your own. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it it, it would be. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't achieved much as a you know, just on my own in mm. sport. It's always been in, in a team environment. Mm. So, but uh, yeah, I just I couldn't. Um, it, be a great feeling knowing you're the best in the world. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, celebrating would be probably a little mm. bit different. Although, you know, the tennis players and the golfers probably handle it all right. Mm. I'm sure. I'm sure Tiger and Greg Norman and they got on. A, well, yeah. Particularly what's Tiger. It, what's it like, Shannon, being the best in the world at? Uh, at uh, <laughs> shout out to McDonald's. <laughs> I'm the ultimate natural, Jez. Just gifted. What can I say? I too also was a great cricketer, Greg Inglis. And, yeah. and a good swimmer too. Mm. Greg, Greg, as a schoolboy, I know Greg scored a double century. Wow. Playing cricket. So, um, yeah. That is concentration That's and f- patience, yeah. isn't it? 
to be able to stay out there for a double century. Well, you could hit ball that far as a kid. I mean, he, they used yeah. to give him 12 when he hit it over the rope because he'd, <laughs> he'd put it into yeah. the next park. They had to run across the road to get it. He was playing in Barrowville, the ball would end up yeah, in Kempsey. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've done a, I've done a quick uh, little one myself here. We'll take Mike Cleary out because Shannon stole my thunder. And you mentioned Greg Inglis. I've Sorry, got Greg mate. Inglis on, on my list now. Greggy and the club doctor, Andrew McDonald, took down myself and Luke Keary in the grand final of the 2015 World Club Challenge Table Tennis Doubles Championships over in Leeds in uh, in February 2015 up in the north of England. Greggy's arm span, you could not get anything by him. It was just freakish. He'd just stand in the middle of the court and he'd reach things three metres either side of him. It was just absolutely amazing. Number three on my list, number one was Mike Cleary, but number three I had was uh, was Damien Cook. Now, everyone knows him as the, the beach sprint champion as a, as a youngster. Was he a beach sprinter? Was yeah, he apparently so, yeah. I haven't heard many people mention it, particularly Damien. But, um, but he was also a champion at wood chopping at the Sydney Royal Easter Show. I don't know if many people know that. Even though he's quite small, he used to get out there with those big six-foot-ten blokes with their big handlebar moustaches and – Cookie be flying up and down the pole and chopping them down. He was an absolute champion at uh, wood chopping, and I reckon I haven't tricked Ello, but I reckon I've sucked Shannon in. <laughs> I was going to say, did they ever? Did they have a cherry picker next to this? <laughs> <laughs> How can I say that's amazing? Yeah. Hook, line, and he, sinker. He even did it with five show bags on each arm. It was, ama- it was amazing. I wouldn't have known. I was in the food court. So <laughs> the old dagwood dog at the Easter show. Oh, and, and my final one, I'm going to be self-indulgent. It's me. 1988 was an unbelievable year for me. I was in year six at Connells Point Public School. I was the captain of our of our cricket team. Um, I was also the anchor in the tug-of-war team for the St. George Regional <laughs> team, um, and I won the singles championships at the Vic Reynolds Tennis Camp in the September school holidays, which was amazing for me. So 1988, that was my sporting nadir. It was unbelievable. 11 years old. Fantastic, Jez, winning all those primary school awards when you're 24. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. He's got a few pennants too back there. <laughs> yeah. He's say. competing again this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we might all be the anchor in a tug of war these days. <laughs> Three way battle. We're the anchor in the Queen Mary. <laughs> uh, well, that was good fun. That was good fun. We'll be back in a moment. Now, we've talked about this a few times in the last few weeks, and it's Rabbitohs Plus. It's a new initiative from the Rabbitohs where they provide everyday services that, that members and supporters use each day, such as mobile phone plans, travel deals, home and contents insurance, credit cards, car insurance, home loans, all those sorts of things that can help you and your family. Rabbitohs Plus can offer those to you. So if you want to learn more about that, uh, head to plus.rabbitohs.com. Dot au and I'm actually uh, in the market for a new phone plan at the moment, so I'm going to check out what's on on offer there from Rabbitohs Plus and and see how it compares. Excellent. So am I. So am I, Jed. Mm. Both of you get on there. They're excellent plans. They start from as low as fifteen dollars a, a month in prepaid plans. So uh, encourage not only you guys but all of our members to get on board too. Very good. That's Rabbitohs Plus at plus.rabbitohs.com.au. Now, our trivia question from last week. John Sutton is the most capped first-grade player in South Sydney's history. He played 336 first-grade games. Just blows my mind, the the longevity of the man. But who was second on the list? Now, he played 218 first-grade games. I think this might trick a few people because there was someone that was top of our list for a long time in Bob McCarthy, but he's not number two on the list anymore, so... I think we may have tricked Shannon. He may not yeah, have done you his got me. You got me. <laughs> a detention again this yeah, week, so, Shannon. Could have used that Google search engine a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to rabbitos.com.au, mate. It's all on there. Of course. But uh, So who do you think's number two? Our little cheeky halfback? Mm, soon. Okay. Soon. He's on 207 games, I think. 
I'm not going to display my ignorance anymore. I'm going to just hand over to the guru here. I'm going to say the great Nathan Merritt. It is the great Nathan Merritt. So, was and I didn't even research that. Not not giving myself a rap. I didn't research <laughs> not that. Not giving yourself a rap. A very no. good impersonation of someone who is. <laughs> Well, I was waiting for Jez to do it. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I know it, I remember Sato broke the record of Bob McCarthy in 2013 yep. at the Cree Ground. And Nathan, was, Nathan wasn't that far behind and, and played into 214 as well. Yeah. That, that's, that's They were actually neck and neck the whole way through and we were all gearing up for the celebration of Sato for breaking the record and, and Sato got hurt couple of weeks before and I thought what are we going to do here like if Sutto's out for four weeks I think it was two weeks away from the record if he's out for four weeks Mero becomes the the number one yeah, so we, yeah. we had to start preparing all the stuff for Nathan Merritt because we had all the videos and everything sorted for Sutto yeah. and we had to scramble and try and drag out all of Mero's 3,000 tries that yeah, he'd scored yeah. and start putting them together to, to celebrate him in case he got there in front of Sutto but I think Sutto might have missed one game and, and came back and, and he was in front and then when Nath retired um, from NRL footy at the end of 14 oh no sorry 15 end of 15 um Sutto just took off, kept going, and was a hundred odd games in front. So one of my one of my great memories of, of Nathan Merritt was um, he he played we played on a, a Monday night against the Eels at ANZ mm. Stadium. He scored five tries, yeah, and then we went to Canberra on the Saturday. And he scored three tries. Scored three more. So he scored eight tries in five days. Amazing. <laughs> you know, well, I scored in eleven years. Yeah, 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 that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you at a big Mac city. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking I'm going to stop doing that. That's not funny. Good plug for you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not yeah. funny anymore, is it? <laughs> is it just it's pretty funny? Yeah, no, yeah, no, <laughs> not funny. Not funny. Uh, speaking of Merrow against Parramatta, do you remember that try that he scored down the? I think it was Jeremy Smith might have thrown a – or actually someone chip-kicked across to the left wing and Mero took it and then he chip-kicked for himself over the top of Joel Reddy and scored a try. He ran out out of the field, came back in and scored just inside the corner post. It was just Nathan Merritt magic at, at his best. Nathan Merritt was not – you know, we all put him down as the great try scorer. He was one of the most skillful footballers that's played at this club. Absolutely. There was talk you of know, him playing 5'8 yeah, at one stage. Yeah, he could he – could, he knew football. And the reason why he scored so many tries, he would turn up where the ball was. He didn't just wait out on the wing waiting for the ball. He would support through the middle yep. of the field. You know, he, he'd follow a kick through. And he just had a, an, an innate ability to know where the football was going to be. Yep. And um, – you know, he like back back in that era when we were really struggling. It was it was just get the ball to Sato or or Mero. Mm. That was all, that was about you know the what we had in attack. And nothing against the players that were there, but um, you know we we were struggling to attract players in the club when we weren't going as well. But him and Sato, and mm. it's amazing that they're top of our list of yeah. uh, of uh, players. And it's yeah, it's a tribute to both of them how 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 much they've contributed to this yeah. club. Although you were saying about you know back then because Sutter was so good and Mero was so good, was, you know the motto was get the ball to Sutter or get the ball to Mero. When I was playing, it was keep the ball away from Donato. It <laughs> 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 was hard because I was hard the dummy half. half. I was going to say, dummy half. And he mousetrap plays all day. <laughs> <laughs> plays all those reserve grade games, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> actually, 53rd most kept reserve grade player for the Rabbitohs. <laughs> Very good. Uh, now, our trivia oh, question dude. for this week. The South Sydney Dream Team was announced in 2004. Who was named captain and who was named coach of that team? Now, the hint this week is they're actually different people. So it wasn't a, a captain coach. Like the great Jack Rayner was one of the great captain coaches at, at this club. And you've got players like Clive Churchill that had immense success as players and coaches. So it is actually two different people. But who was named captain and so who was named them, coach? <laughs> Oh, He's well, throwing uh, us off the sense. <laughs> it's time to do your homework. 
Uh, so, yes, we'll give you the answer to that one next week. But I'm enjoying these uh, these trivia questions. I'm enjoying you blokes not doing your homework. So it's very good. <laughs> what do you good. mean? What do you mean? I just got Nathan Merritt, didn't I? Yeah, but you said you didn't even do any homework. You well, just knew it. Didn't. That's right. Yeah, it's that's a good right. man. That's what I like to see. Give yourself a wrap on the way through. That's the right. That's well right. Thanks, Shannon, mate. you got a bit of work to do to, to. to redeem yourself uh, after that one. And yes. there's a little segment coming up where you possibly could, but we'll be back in a second. Now, of course, our top four podcasts and, in fact, the whole Rabbitohs podcast network is proudly brought to you by the great people at What If. And if you're looking for your next epic holiday, maybe a long weekend with your mates or you want to get to our next travel game, then it's time to What If It. What If has great deals on accommodation, flights, car hire and more. And because they're the official travel partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs, you can head to whatif.com slash Rabbitohs. That's if dot com slash rabbitos and use the promo code rabbitos15 to save 15% on select hotels. Now conditions apply with that but that's an absolute cracking bargain if you're looking to to get away during the season or to come to to one of the games throughout the year and I noted that the NRL is starting to push magic round so it might be uh, up in Brisbane so it might be a good opportunity to for our members and supporters to jump on what if and book themselves some accommodation try and get the 15% off using rabbitos15 on whatif.com slash rabbitos and and get their flights nice and early absolutely your magic weekend's always a lot of fun and we're just about to go on sale for um, Dubbo as well, Jess. So if you want to uh, fly out there and book your accommodation through uh, What If as well. And also we take a home game to the Sunshine Coast. We've got um, over 3,500 members in southeast Queensland. We go up there and service those. And for for all of our other uh, members from right around Australia and New South Wales to fly up there, I encourage them to go to whatif.com slash rabbitos and get that 15% discount from our great sponsors at What If. I'm really looking forward to that game in Dubbo at Apex Oval. When I was uh, playing in my rugby union career at, at university, the mighty CSU Bathurst took on the Dubbo Old Boys Rhinos out at Apex Oval and I scored my only try in rugby union out there at Apex Oval. Was so, that another uh, one where you tripped into it? or <laughs> I was actually I was seagulling out in the centres and I found the ball in my hands about 15 metres out. I, I looked at the winger who had no one in front of him and I said, you're not getting this ball, mate. I got titles in the warm-up. Yes. <laughs> Five metres out, he's still going to get run down. I've, I've, actually, I've got to talk to What If about um, booking um, the tours of Apex Oval, which I'll lead while the statue we're out there. Out the front. Yep, I'll, I'll give you 15% off as well on those tours. Yeah, so. there'll, there'll be a statue of Ello uh, after the game too, with a crunchy hot dog in his hand near the kiosk. <laughs> <laughs> whatif.com slash Rabbitohs. Use that code Rabbitohs15 to get 15% off at Select Hotels, and we hope to see you all at those travel games that we have throughout the year. Now, last week we heard the greatest joke in living memory about Billy Bloggs told by the great Mark Ellison. You've got a lot to live up to today, <laughs> Shannon Donato, but I've been waiting for this for seven days and I'm looking forward to hearing Shannon's joke <laughs> of the week. That is a lot of pressure, actually. But so, And you know what? I'm not even going to try and compete with the joke. I'm just going to tell a story. It's actually a true story. You guys have both mentioned in 2014 the grand final and what a night it was. After 43 years, we hadn't you know, won a grand final and the expectation. It was just such a great night. You know, members and you know, fans and sponsors have been with us for all that time, you know, we finally finally got there and I was just sort of walking around in the um, on the concourse, just soaking up the atmosphere, it was a, it was a great night and um, I finally took my seat, I was just talking to people around me and I noticed just behind me, I started to chat to an old fellow and I said, oh mate, enjoying the game, see yep, been a been a member my whole life, 50 years, me and, me and my wife. And then we, we went out to every game at Redfern. We went out to we never missed a Rabbitohs game. And and uh, and then when we had we had a son and we brought him up and we the three as a family we'd go out and never missed a Rabbitohs game. And uh, I said, oh, that's um that's 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 a really nice story. Yeah, I love my wife. And the only thing I love more than the Rabbitohs was my wife. And I said, oh, that's that's lovely. He's sitting there, and I said, oh, what's that spare seat there? He said, oh, that that was for my wife. She was a a tragic rabbiter said, "Oh, that's that's very sad." Yeah, she couldn't be. He says, "No." And I said, um, "So you're saving it for your wife?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "You didn't 
you didn't want to give it to your son who's a mad rabbit as well? He said, nah, nah, he, he's at a funeral. That's very good. Oh, the passion of the Rabbitohs fans. That is good. (laughs) Never ceases to amaze. Very good, Shannon. Yeah, you did very well. That was a lot shorter than the Billy Bloggs joke. (laughs) Thank God. The Billy Bloggs joke was still shorter than your introduction every week. Why don't you hear my outro? Hello. You can go make yourself a cup of tea if you like during that one. Uh, very good. Hello, you're back again next week with your joke of the week. That'll be hard to beat. Mm, very good. Right, well, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Of course, you can contact us with topic suggestions by filling out the form at rabbitos.com.au slash podcasts or on Twitter using at SSFC Rabbitos and the hashtag top four podcast. Don't forget to write us a review and give us a five-star rating. As we said before, it helps us in the search engines of the uh, of the podcast apps. And please hit subscribe or follow when you find us in your podcast app so you can get all of our podcasts throughout the week. Downloaded straight to your phone or whatever device you're listening to the podcast on. And speaking of the Rabbitohs Podcast Network, make sure you tune into Rabbitohs Radio with Mavo Brownie and Chaps. They're three good blokes, three passionate blokes about the Rabbitohs. They talk a bit more footy than us, but they still have a great laugh and they're doing a great job with their show. I think they've been going for about two, two and a half years now and they've built a great following, particularly on social media. And they've got global ambassadors all, all around the place. And Shannon, you said you had someone from PNG, I think it was, that wanted to jump on board. So we're going to get uh, Mavo and the boys in contact uh, with him and become one of their global ambassadors. We've also got all our media interviews, which we put up each week. We've got the audio version of the Rabbitohs Insider, and we're hoping to have a South Cares podcast um, sooner rather than later. So we're working on concepts for that. So plenty of chances to have a laugh and and have a listen to some, uh, some hardcore footy chats if that's what you're after, but of course, the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast is powered by Audio Technica and presented by the great team at What If, and it's been another fun morning. Gents, I've had a good laugh. So have I, Jez. Thank you, and uh, I look forward to Ella's joke next week. Yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> How many... For a change. <laughs> That'll be a pleasant change. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, and I look forward. Oh, I saw you doing putting a few notes on there before. I wasn't yeah. sure. I said quarter <laughs> pounder. I was going yeah, to say, is it your lunch order? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, and I'm looking forward to the reaction from both Eddie Farrer and Mark Lyons after oh, this well, uh, yeah, podcast well, as well. I think they both want to have a good look at themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know Eddie does. <laughs> That's why there's all those no ceiling to floor mirrors in the gym. Tim Blockhead doesn't. Very good. Well, thank you for your company, and we will see you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast, powered by Audio-Technica and proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Support the club and visit whatif.com forward slash Rabbitohs to book your next trip. Don't forget to use the code Rabbitohs15 to get 15% off select hotels. Conditions apply. What If, it's Aussie for travel. Please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Up the rabbit eyes.